Christy Bilbrey. Right after college, I started my career in the Senate press office and then the White House. For the next seven years, I worked in corporate marketing before starting my own business. As soon as I did, the one thing I realized that none of those experiences taught me was how to market myself. Promoting yourself can mess with your head. Discovering brand storytelling and learning how to put it to work in my messaging saved my business. Once I learned this, I started teaching other business owners how to put it to work in their business as well. I created the Business That Story Built podcast to help strengthen the stories we tell ourselves and the stories we tell others. Audiences crave the human side of businesses. They want to get to know you, follow you, and interact with you outside of the buying experience. This can be intimidating to say the least. If you're ready to take your mindset and your messaging to the next level, then you're in the right place. Let's get started. Thank you so much for listening today. You guys are in for a treat. We have a very special guest today, and I will get into his official um, bio in a second, but we actually know each other. We've known each other for years. We have kind of a cool backstory because um, he, my husband knew him before I did. And in Bobby's way back past, um, he was a singles minister and my husband sought his advice. And after coming out of a long-term relationship, he wanted to know, do you think I'm actually ready to get back out there? And um Bobby was the one who recommended, why don't you try online dating? Which my husband was like, what? He would have never thought of that. And fast forward 30 days later, he finally decided to pull the trigger, give it a try. And if you don't know any of my story with that, we I was the first and only person he ever went out with online. We were married three and a half months later. And I doubt we would have met if it weren't for the man that you are about to meet. So a little oh, interesting tidbit. <laughs> so thank yeah, you, awesome. Bobby. Love it. <clears throat> yeah, you know, I was uh, so singles ministry is one of the many hats I wore at this one particular uh, called mega church. And yeah, I remember, you know, Russell and I having that talk. And, you know, this was, uh, man, what year would have this been? Like 2013. 2013. So, you know, back then we didn't know for sure about, you know, online dating and all this. And, uh, you know, like the way I met my wife, was like the way dinosaurs met, you know, it's like, you know, you just had to actually walk up to the girl and ask her out, you know? And so, uh, but there's me, you know, there was this culture shift and it's like, you know what, it's okay. You know, you want to filter it, of course, you know what I mean? You have to be very careful. Right. I mean, uh, these online dating sites can very easily become a money pit. Mm -hmm. They can take up all your time, but, you know, as long as you approach it with some principles and kind of some filters so yeah give it a shot you know see what see what jesus does and uh, well hey history. it worked for us yeah <laughs> no, glad, so glad it did <laughs> well that's a totally different topic than we're actually going to be discussing today today we are going to be talking about writing books and um we have a very interesting book to discuss today i know a lot of you guys out there whether it's for business or personal reasons you have that on your heart to write a book, get that out there. And a lot of you want to hear from authors. What is that really like? So we're going to dive into that today. Let me tell you a little bit more about our guest. So Dr. Bobby Brewer, he actually has a doctorate in ministry from Phoenix Seminary, a master in divinity from Liberty Baptist Theological Seminary. He is currently the pastor of Raining Grace Ranch, a cowboy church in Rio Verde, Arizona. 
Previously, he served on the pastoral staff of several evangelical Bible churches in the Phoenix area and co-hosted a radio talk show for 15 years. He is the author of Postmodernism, What You Should Know and Do About It, and served as a contributor for a layman's commentary on the book of Ecclesiastes. Most recently, and what we're discussing today, he has authored UFOs, 12 Things Everyone Should Know, a Christian Perspective. So, Pastor Bobby, thank you so much for joining today. This is such an unusual topic that for anyone listening, that's probably not the direction they thought I was going to (laughs) go with your intro. So can you just share what was it that prompted you to focus on this subject for this book? Yeah, you know, it was, um, some of it was personal, you know, um, way, way back in the day, my father, I remember he was in the Navy for 20 years. And so I remember coming home and seeing my dad's car in a carport, you know, I'd, I'd run in to, you know, greet him and hug him. And I could tell he and my mom were in this really deep conversation and something was wrong. I think I was like seven, maybe eight years old. And basically my mom said, well, son, you know, your father saw a UFO. And now my dad is this very like manly man, very, you know, down to, or he hates science fiction. Absolutely. You know, hates it, would, would never you know, go to like a sci-fi movie. And so that was like my first introduction to it. You know, I wanted more information, but I could tell my dad it was a topic he didn't really care to talk about. And then, of course, here in Phoenix, 1997, we had an incident known as the Phoenix Lights. Now, the Phoenix Lights uh, took place uh, in March of 1997, and it was well documented because people were looking for the Hellbop Comet. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, in the past, most of these UFO videos, you know, were kind of like, you know, Blair Witch Project, you know, I mean, things were shaking out of focus, in focus, and, you know, just all over the place, blurry, but not this time. This time, there was a, a lot of documentation that, hey, we, we've seen something that's unexplainable. Uh, so the key word with UFOs is unidentified. It's like, uh, we don't know what it was, but it was something that was certainly out of the ordinary. So pastors and Christians began to ask me, hey, what was that? And what would the implications, in fact, be for Christianity specifically if there really were intelligent beings, you know, that can manufacture spacecraft living on other planets? Would that, you know, disqualify or discredit Christianity? And at the time, there was just simply nothing on the topic, really. And in 1997, 1998, you didn't really want to talk about it. It had a stigma. In fact, it still, Christy, it still has a stigma associated with it. And I chose to kind of take one for the team, if you will. It's like, we need a, a, I need a resource in my circles out there that addresses this topic, you know, biblically, but also theologically and just kind of more of a a common sense. Uh, Well, I like to think objectively, you know, it approaches a subject because the resources out there was broad spectrum of you know stuff that was written that was just almost science fiction other stuff was uh mostly written to debunk the whole phenomenon hey people mm-hmm. are just making information up this didn't even really happen and so i knew people were seeing something because hey you know i mean it's it just what, what is going on what would those implications be so that was my goal you know in writing this book was to provide a resource for christians who kind of want to look at this objectively but also biblically you know and okay. so my audience of course being mostly you know, Christians, you know, people are going to church, you know, um, most of the resources out there were from like ancient aliens on history channel or something on discovery channel. So that was really the purpose of the book and to be a resource, but also uh, I found myself answering the same questions over and over. And it's like, you know, instead of answering the same question over and over, I'm just gonna start cutting and pasting. And that kind of became the impetus for the book, you know, in many ways. 
Okay. So, okay. That kind of leads into the next question about your process. I know people like to dig into different authors. Did you, because you have written other books, we mentioned a couple of them. I know you've written even more beyond that. So did this have the same process? Did you approach this the same way that you've approached other books and, and what did that look like? Yeah. You know, it'd be yes and no. Um, so the publishing industry has drastically changed. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, there used to be practically, you know, a bookstore on every corner, but, you know, borders, you know, you know, here in Phoenix, you know, Phoenix is like the fifth largest metropolitan city in the United States. You'll be hard pressed to find many bookstores like a Barnes Noble or a borders anymore. So that's really affected the industry quite a bit. You know, Kindle of course has, you know, online books that's changed quite a bit. So it's really changed from the time I had my first book published. So, um, which can be a, a positive, but the, the negative, okay. Yeah. The, the glass half empty would be, is there's less of a market for traditional authors through traditional okay. publishers. Okay. So that'd be the glass half empty. The glass half full is there is more of a market for getting your book out there online and through other resources and venues. And you just kind of have to be willing to adapt with the culture. You know, it's, it's not coming back. You know what I mean? It's, you know, I personally still love to go to a Barnes Noble and get a coffee and check yeah. out some books, you know, but Hey, I'm, I'm probably the minority. Most people want to get a book online. And so, mm -hmm. so that's, what's really changed. So it's a little, uh, you know, be quite honest, Christy, it's a, it's a tougher market than ever before you know sometimes in the past a publisher would even pay you up front you know to do some research but not so much anymore unless you're like a super big time best-selling author right and in those cases a lot of those people have the resources have ghost writers and people you know do research mm -hmm. for them and so forth but tip most of us uh, not so much you know most of us uh you know don't necessarily have those resources so you just simply have to adapt to the culture that we now live in and kind of move and groove with it and just see it as a opportunity to perhaps get your works out that in the past would never make it hmm. you know, in some of these markets, you know, due to online and so forth. So when you, I mean, this is, I've been through a lot of the book and there's a ton of research that went into this. So for people who are writing about, um, you know, some people are just writing about their life and, and there's definitely a, a process for that. You go out and you, um, you have a lot of interviews with people who've had experiences. So for, for this type of book, I mean, how did you, how did you approach that? Was that just a lot of Google research and, you know, trying to get in touch with people or how did yeah. you, how did you go about yeah. that? So the best thing, and if you want to write a book, I mean, first of all, let me say this, and I hope it doesn't sound pejorative. Anyone can write a book. Question is, will anyone, will anyone buy it? Will anyone read it? Mm -hmm. And will a publisher be interested in publishing the work? All right. And so you have to kind of be mindful of that, first of all. So I didn't want to be just an armchair researcher in this. You know, my goal was to, hey, I want to get out in the field, you know, living in Arizona with, with our topic I took on UFOs, uh, obviously a Phoenix Lights. Uh, there's some witnesses here, you know, mm -hmm. still in the Valley from that time frame. Uh, there's a guy named Nick Pope, who's uh, British. He's a frequent guest contributor on History Channel's Ancient Aliens, who lives down in Tucson. Uh, a guy named Travis Walton up in Snowflake, Arizona. So I just, look, I, hey, I knew I couldn't be flying all over the country, but it's like, you know, I can do some road trips though. Mm -hmm. And in my spare time on my weekends. And so, you know, it has to, you have to be pretty passionate about it and it has to almost become your hobby 
to some degree. So I want to have a mix. Yes, absolutely. There's some things that can be researched online very easily. There's other things you kind of, if you can get, you know, from the horse's mouth, hey, what really happened? What do you think? Uh, I think it gives you just much more credibility. And I think it makes for a more interesting read as well. And who knows, it even could be a resource in the future. You know, these people aren't going to live forever. Right. And you have this documentation down, you know, through personal interviews. Um, now, I did do what's known as a talent release form. So I uh, up front, I let them know, hey, I want to interview for a book. And I could use this for additional, you know, public relations you know, venues, no social media. And so I'd simply have them sign that. Most of them, you know, I was up front, hey, do I have your permission to quote you in this book? Do I have your permission to use this information online to promote the book? And, you know, they, they were totally fine with that. And so things like, you no, know, so 15 years ago, see a publisher would have done that for you. Right. Now, publisher still, they'll uh, make sure it's copy, you know, they'll do all the copyright work for you once you get to that stage. But to initially submit a manuscript, you kind of want to have as much grunt work done as possible because they say, hey, this is pretty easy for us. We can kind of take it from here. You don't want to present a publisher with the, the idea of them doing all the work for you. So I, I would encourage anyone listening that's thinking about writing a book, just start writing, even if it's just 15, 20 minutes a day. You know, sometimes I would get like, you know, in the sweet spot and I'm, I might write for an hour. And I don't know when that sweet spot's going to come back. And you've heard the expression, uh, writer's cramp. Yeah. It's the real deal. Some days you're just, man, I have nothing. I'm absolutely, I have no creativity whatsoever. And so on those days, I would do other types of research. I look for um, public relations managers or people who could, you know, promote the book. And just, you know, even if it's just 10, 15 minutes of something, trying to find a footnote, you know, trying to research. So there'd be other ways where, you know, just the creative juices weren't flowing. I was always trying to work on it. And then, um, you know, I think about one of your podcasts, actually, you did a while back, um, and it's important to kind of know your market. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of knew the market I was going for. I was going for the market of uh, evangelical Christians who are interested in the UFO phenomenon. Hey, how do you answer the questions of your kids and grandkids who are asking about UFOs? So I kind of knew where I was going and wanted to provide a, a resource that was documentable with a bunch of footnotes. So it wasn't just, you know, my opinion. And I could show what did happen, what did, you know, didn't happen and so forth. So I don't know, hopefully that's helpful or hopefully I, I answered a question somewhat. Yeah, yeah. It sounds like, you know, you just have to keep going, whether you feel like it or not, you know, on those days, like you said, everybody's got writer's block. Everybody has yeah. crazy days. And I guess it's just finding that time and saying, I've committed to this. So I'm going to do it whether I feel like it or not. Yeah. And, you know, another thing too, that really helped was I, uh, I was very blessed to have, um, you know, person uh, within our church who they, they heard about what I was doing. They said, Hey, actually I used to work for a publisher and they offered to read my manuscript for free. Mm. And so if you have people in those circles say, Hey, would you mind at least just reading a chapter and having different eyes on it really helps like the, you know, so, you know, cause they would come back. Like, I don't know if you completed your thought process on this or this mm -hmm. doesn't make any sense to me, you know, now with me and people who are, you know, aspiring to be an author, you know, everything about your industry and you probably even have terminologies and, you know, every industry has its uh, kind of inside lingo, mm -hmm. you know? And so some people would just, you know, in addition to my wife, they would raise like, I'm not sure if I understand your point here, or you might want to, build your case a little more now you know quite honestly that's discouraging it's like wow i just put a lot of work into this and now i got to put more work but 
that makes it much more presentable to a publisher. And because that's what they'll do is they'll kind of mm -hmm. normally test market it. Unless you're a big name, you know, now look, if you're a, a president or a CEO of an organization, you've already got a market. So that's another thing, let me say about publishing is you want to be able to sell, quite honestly, to a publisher that this book will sell. Yeah. Uh, there's a market for this. And, and so you kind of want to know the market, well, what else is out there that's like this book? <laughs> and in the publishing industry, you know, everyone wants a piece of the pie. It's like, well, Zondervan's got a book on this, but we don't. So therefore mm -hmm. you probably wouldn't go to that publisher, but Hey, I've noticed that Zondervan's publishing a book on this. Uh, here's my credentials. Here's my manuscript and so forth. You know, so it's kind of, it really is knowing your uh, market, knowing your audience and knowing your niche, you know, whatever it is that you're going for. That's, that's really helpful to a publisher and they'll more likely be open to the idea you know, if, hey, let's explore this. Let's uh, let's fuel this fire. I think we're on to something. Did you ever consider self-publishing or did you know, <clears throat> I really would like to pursue a publisher for this? Um, both ends. So I kind of went with a hybrid, quite mm -hmm. honestly. Okay. Um, so I've had, you know, both done. And there was a time when I was speaking at a lot of conferences um, back in the early 2000s, uh, church growth type conferences on uh, the topic of postmodernism. And so that book ended up being self-published just because I could actually, you can actually make a lot more capital if you self-publish. Mm -hmm. All right. So it, it depends on what you're going after. Um, so now I would say the same for those of your listeners. You know, if, if you're the type of person, you're, you're doing a lot of workshops, you mm -hmm. might want to consider self-publishing. Uh, it, it'll be a good investment and you, you'll retain probably 85, 90% of the revenue that comes in. You know, so it's like a flip-flop with a traditional publisher. So it's it's a both end. It really has to depend on your purpose. And yeah. so this one was a, a bit of a hybrid for me. You know, it's kind of getting, it's kind of like a new world. And they offered some uh, marketing resources that I thought would be more advantageous than me just trying mm -hmm. to do it on my own uh, with the public relations and promotional aspect. And it's like, you know, it's, I'm going to go with the hybrid in this particular case. So and you know what? I had a uh, one publisher I thought for sure would be the perfect fit, and they said no. And it's kind of interesting. The agents like, man, I really want to do it, but yeah, it got shot down, didn't fly. And yeah. don't burn any bridges because he's the one who actually came back. But you know what? I know a couple of publishers because I really think yeah. your message needs to get out there. Here, here's two others that you should look at. Wow. And I mean, we were all I thought for sure this particular publisher was going to work out, and that was actually my preference. This first one, but it turned out and this is the way you know God is with us. Of course, you know. Um, turned out to be much better anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So. That's cool. So what was, what was the most difficult part, I guess, from start to finish, like from concept, getting started to the marketing end afterward, like what would you, what do you feel like is the most difficult part of writing a book and getting it out there? Yeah, that's really easy. It was the editing. And okay. So, um, yeah, it, it was, and, and plus I had some software issues, computer issues. So what happens when you publish, you, you send your manuscript in and they send it back to you and then you have to read it again. And believe it or not, there's still human error. Even with a major publisher, mm. there can still be human error. Mm -hmm. And I've learned that artificial intelligence isn't always as smart as it <laughs> thinks it is. And so you read it again, you send like, then you send back to corrections. 
guess what happens? About a week later, they send it back to you. And Christy, it's like, I can't believe it. I, I've seen, how do we both both miss this? Or sometimes yeah. they see something. I have, I've read this thing 15 times. Seriously, I'm not exaggerating. I've probably read that manuscript 15 times. How did we miss this wordsmithing? Uh, how did we get this wrong? You know, I, I you know, or I, I told you this is how I want it worded. You know what I mean? And so absolutely you just get to a point where you're sick of reading your own work. You know, I mean, you're just like, man, I don't want to read this book, you know, but you absolutely have to. So the thing that would help is to have a, you know, a friend, family member, someone that's, you know, pretty good at English. You know, I mean, there's, there's resources out there like Grammarly, but sometimes uh, they don't know how they don't know the lingo. Right. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. um, that there's always in-house lingo. There's terms that don't make sense. And plus your own writing style, you know, it's going to be more, uh, what's the word they have and there's an algorithm rather and it's like well i don't really want that algorithm i'm trying to be more down to earth pun intended <laughs> you know, uh, book on ufos uh, so yeah so reading rereading rereading and uh getting a little frustrated sometimes with uh because you know there'll be different editors to work with it in a typical publishing uh, house mm -hmm. and so we already told a previous person about this or you know what i mean so it's, it's little things like that um some of the copyright stuff was a little challenging at first, but uh, the good that's the good thing about having a publisher. Is they'll kind of take it on the chin for you. They'll do the research and all that for you as well. So, you know, if you self-publish, you do want to be aware of that. Good point. Uh, meaning if you self-publish, you, you want to make sure you've got their permission and so forth. Right. Yeah, yeah. that's very important. Um, how long did it take you, just out of curiosity, from start to final product where I'm yeah. holding it in my hands? Right about 18 months, and okay. but I was very diligent about it. And mm -hmm. so um, some of this was birthed out of 2020. Yeah. You know, having okay. some downtimes, like, hey, how can I make the most of my time here? And this was a part of it. And so, yeah, about a good 18 months. So I had to, the best thing, one of the better things you can do if you're interested in being published is just start working on it, start crafting it, start working on some chapters and be able to articulate what's the purpose of this book, uh, have an idea of the flow you know, the chapters and even a conclusion, you know, if where you're headed in the long term, mm -hmm. and then you start writing. And uh, even if any time you can give to it, but yeah, just start writing and start researching. And yeah, about 18 months though, from start to actually holding a copy in my hand, but it is a pretty rewarding experience when you finally get that. You know, I remember when we finally got the cover designs, like, oh, wow, man, this is going to happen finally. And then you, you go, weeks without hearing sometimes from a publisher and then you hear them from every day hey we need this we need that you know <laughs> i was like man you know it's like uh feast or famine mm. you know so to speak but yeah i'd say about a good 18 months for me but i, I was very diligent you know okay okay um we've well, covered a lot you've given a lot of advice Is there any final piece of advice that you would give to those who are looking to write a book yeah i would say you know if you have the compassion for it, your topic, it, it'll show. And mm -hmm. so you need to be passionate about the subject and you need to really believe in what you're doing. And then do the research. I would highly encourage you not to be just a, an armchair researcher, try to get out and do a few personal interviews, you know, as best you can, you know, on what the topic is, even if it's uh, through email, even if it's through zoom or whatever, you know, try and do some interviews with people who have kind of been there and done that, or who are, maybe have some content yeah. to contribute Good. Uh, to your book. And then the weirdest thing is you, ha you still have to do a little self-promotion and it's the weirdest thing in the world to promote <laughs> your own work. It's like, man, this just isn't me. This, you know, but 
you really have to. And that, that's one of the things that, you know, my agent kept, you know, encouraged me to do, Hey, you need to make some social media posts about this and just get the word out. Even if you don't see the likes people are seeing, you yeah, know, absolutely. And so just keep getting it out there. Keep reminding people. Eventually they're going to associate to some degree, this topic with you. And who knows, it might be six months from now that right. they, Oh, you know, I remember this guy had this book on UFOs was a pastor and uh, you know what I mean? So things like that. So that's kind of challenging, but you know, maybe work on building your social media platforms mm -hmm. to some degree, you know, don't be ashamed of that. It's free. And plus you have those personal connections and the word of mouth is so powerful as well. We, we still underestimate the power of just a word of mouth, you know, promotion. Really? Yeah. 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 No, that's great. Um, so for everyone out there, UFOs, 12 things everyone should know, a Christian perspective by Dr. Bobby Brewer. We will have this in the show notes. And how can people find out more about you? Where would you like them to go? Yeah, well, uh, so I pastor a cowboy church in Rio Verde, Arizona. And if you're ever out in our neck of the woods, love to have you come by and uh, visit with us. So by Cowboy Church, we meet on a real ranch. It's a ranch. Uh, we have like 80 horses right now. They're, they're rescue horses. So, you know, when I was a kid, people used to drop off kittens at my grandma's house. Because they knew my grandma would take care of them. Well, at Rainy Grace Ranch, people drop off horses. And some of them are the wild horses that have been captured. And so if the wild horses cannot find sanctuary, they get uh, sometimes uh, slaughtered. So that was kind of how it was started. But um, the founders, Chris and Amanda Moore, they began to use equine therapy for foster kids and uh, people who have PTSD type syndrome, special needs kids. And there's just an amazing connection between horses and people. It's absolutely amazing. Incredible. Yeah. And, you know, so we do that, but we also have a church service meets on Sunday mornings at 930. And so, yeah, it's, the website there is azrgrchapel.org. Love to have you. You come out as you are. We're not that polished, quite honestly. You know, um, <laughs> we're, we kind of have a country Western vibe for our worship style. And you'll see a lot of uh, cowboy hats and baseball hats. And, you know, if you come wear, wear some boots, you don't mind getting dirty. But we, we, we're having a lot of fun with it. We enjoy it. And so it's, uh, it's pretty earthy. Uh, it's awesome. Yep. Yeah. And you also have, they can go to ufoanswers.org yes. for your book. So that's an idea too, for your listeners to create a website for your book. And mm -hmm. so, cause, um, I didn't want to data dump. There was some information that I thought, man, this is really good, but I don't want to overwhelm people. I want this book to be readable, meaning I want to keep it around 200 pages. It could have very easily been 300, you know, but I was like, uh, I don't want to data dump. So what I chose to do was to create a website where it's kind of like blogs, where there's some additional information. Yeah. Um, so that, no, that was the, great. so that was the purpose of that book. And plus, you know, there's like a button you can click, you know, if you want to buy the book, you know, it's going to take you to Amazon, I believe in that particular case. So uh, yeah, you can learn more information there and that's where, you know, people can contact me. So that way the book kind of continues, if you will, through uh, the website, you know, Very as I smart. learn more information and so forth. And we have, uh, sermonmessages.com sermonmessages.com so that's uh it's got some of my old messages and so where we're at right now in Rio Verde uh live streaming is not that good we're working on that uh so it's just a collection of some uh, messages I've done in the past and it also has some blogs uh, my most popular one is uh do pets go to heaven and so really uh, 
Yeah. So that's like my most popular blog uh, wow. that's on there. So it's some of just my old, some of my older writings, but I'm putting some new content on there as well. So, yeah, so that's another place where you can just get some spiritual resources and biblical resources as well. Well, thank you. Yeah, Bobby's had a cool life. And I will close with the question that was supposed to be the first question, but I went off on my tangent about how we know each other. Bobby's had a really cool life. Share just a couple things, maybe, you know, that you haven't already talked about that are about you that people would not maybe expect. Okay, something random. I briefly worked with the actor Stephen Baldwin. Oh, right. So Steven is, uh, let's see, he was in uh, Flintstones, go to Las Vegas, uh, Biodome, <laughs> and he's probably better known today as uh, Justin Bieber's father-in-law. Right. And so we were trying to start like a, an extreme sports type ministry. It didn't quite work out the way we'd hoped, but, you know, it was a great time. I learned a lot of things. Now I, was, I was around, you know, producers and screenwriters and, you know, so I was definitely outside of my wheelhouse and learned a lot of things I didn't know. Uh my mountain biker. My dad was in the Navy. I was actually born in Japan. Mm. <clears throat> so uh, I don't have any tattoos, but if I ever should get one, it would just simply say made in Japan, like <laughs> in a little box, you know? So uh, I've always thought about that. We'll see. But uh, yeah, so I've worked on a number of evangelical churches in the Phoenix metropolitan area. And so, yeah, I guess that's it. Did right. I think you mentioned an intro. I did do a radio show for like 15 years yes. for sales broadcasting. And so that, that really helped me keep my finger on the pulse of culture of what was happening and some of the questions that were coming in that too, actually kind of led to the UFO book, you know, it's like, cause I was, that was a question I was getting asked quite a bit. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, cool. Well, thank you so much. And for those listening, yeah, if you have, he is a great person. If you have random questions about spirituality or Christianity that you're like, who can I even ask? Go, you should go to either sermonmessages.com or UFO Answers because you can connect with him there. He is so great and so easy to talk to about any of those questions. And definitely, definitely go to Amazon now, check out UFOs, 12 Things Everyone Should Know, A Christian Perspective. And again, thanks so much, Bobby. And for everyone joining, have a great week and we'll see you next time. To succeed in business, you need brand awareness, authority, and trust. To get those, you need visibility. Podcasts offer each of these. It's a unicorn platform because it gives you the scarcest resource in digital marketing, attention. Did you know that 80% of podcast audiences listen to the entire episode and more than 50% consider buying from a brand or individual that they discover on a podcast? Building your own show and audience takes years. Grow faster by guest speaking on other podcasts to get more leads, build your SEO, and strengthen your brand. To learn how my agency can help, email me at hello at christybilbury.com.